Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Ritchie. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than attorney at law, Dina Saeed Dahl and legal analyst, law and crime legal analyst. Always a pleasure to have on the show. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, Donald Trump, according to a New York Times reporter, is seriously considering Marjorie Taylor Greene as his vice presidential running mate in 2024. Let's get into it. All right, a New York Times reporter has confirmed. These are rumors, but confirmed rumors that Donald Trump is considering Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene as his running mate should he launch a 2024 presidential campaign. Robert Draper, who writes for the New York Times Magazine told the Daily Beast, new abnormal podcast that Greene had risen quickly in her first term in Congress by using the same tactics she honed in she honed as a right wing social media influencer, harassing Democratic staffers, and she could shoot to the second highest office in government. So let's be very clear about the why. The why is real simple. Donald Trump simply wants a loyalist who's willing to play the game that he plays. She has zero substance, she's all propaganda, she's okay with the lies, and she simply pushes a false narrative in order to worship the true ideology of Trump supporters. What is that? What is their true ideology? What is their real political platform? Power, power, that's their true political platform. It is not ideology, it is not a set of values. It is not even a political agenda, so to speak, it's power. Because values have changed within this party. Their political sentiment has transformed in a matter of months. So what is their true ideology? Power, there's more. Republicans kind of wanted to kick her to the curb, according to Draper, author of the new book, Weapons of Mass Delusion, when the Republican Party lost its mind. Draper goes on to say, but instead she became a fundraising dynamo. Came to have his huge social media influence and ultimately came to be very influential within the party itself. Draper confirmed that Trump has been actively discussing Green as his number two since the month of February. And while the former president has probably discussed other candidates as well, the Georgia Republican brings something to the table that could push her over the top. Loyal to Donald Trump. Loyal, loyal throughout. Draper said, what is Trump concerned about most of all in a VP after the Mike Pence experience? Loyalty, he knows that if he needs someone to fight for him to overturn a presidential election, which is against the law. He has every reason to expect that Green would be by his side and would be his proximate warrior. I agree with this particular analysis. Now let's break down everything that has happened. Donald Trump did America a favor, yes. Was he a detriment? Of course he was. But he did this democracy a favor by exposing the true vulnerabilities that exist in our constitutional democracy here. 
Now, what did Democrats do in order to correct or remedy the vulnerabilities that he exposed? Not a damn thing, nothing. The same vulnerabilities that existed then exist today. But he has learned how to overcome them based on trial and error. Remember, I've counted 12 separate plots to overthrow democracy. 11 of them were illegal, only one was legal and that was through the judicial process. But 12 different and distinct operations were happening at the same time in order to overthrow democracy. And it would have worked, it would have worked if Vice President of that time, Mike Pence, would have decided to not affix his signature to the document certifying the Electoral College. He did affix his signature only because he was told if he did not, it would be grossly illegal and he's not about that life. But he tried, he tried to figure out a way to do this, but stay out of trouble, it was not possible. So who do you think Trump is going to choose as a vice presidential running mate? If he runs for president again, not someone with substance, not someone who understands the rule of law or respects it. Remember, he now has to find someone like him. He has to find an individual who does not respect the rule of law, does not respect the constitution, does not have an appreciation for checks and balances and will do anything he says. Well, there you go, Marjorie Taylor Greene fits the bill here. It also highlights the reality that none of these individuals really give a damn about how they serve you or how they serve this country, or rather how they serve their own interest. All right, attorney, what are your thoughts here? You know, I agree with everything that you've just said. And you know, I think though that it is important for us to look at how she became so you know, famous, so to speak. Because she was really just a representative from a district, didn't have any power. She's even was stripped of her committee leadership. And now she's being considered for the number two. And it's because she said so many outrageous things that she was really heavily covered in the media. And it's kind of similar to what happened happened with Donald Trump. He was really heavily covered during his first presidential run and got a bunch of free press. So I think in some ways we helped make her and we have to look at this because how do you you have to report on somebody who says the really dangerous and quite frankly really disturbing things she says. But there is something called, you know, no press, there's no such thing as bad press. You know, by covering her so much, we made somebody who really had no power now quite powerful. And in some ways, it reminds me of like, how do you handle school shootings? It's the same idea because you have to cover it. But when you make that school shooter famous, it ends up enabling other school shooters. And so I, I don't know how quite to address it, but I think it's a conversation we really need to have. Yeah, and look at her method or her route. She was stripped of all congressional committee power. That did not limit her ability to move the conservative agenda. She was also told by some leaders initially that her actions were inappropriate. Well, what happened? They became, they got put on an island, not her. She was still part of the mainstream movement today. So I bring that point to land this one. When we say that Marjorie Taylor Greene represents a fringe element of the Republican Party, no, that is not true. She represents the right now current mainstream Republican Party in the United States of America. Why else would she be at the top of the list for vice presidential consideration? All right, we're gonna continue to follow the story.
Okay, uh, let's go to Georgia. Senator Herschel Walker got goals on stage, tries to hand Herschel Walker some condoms, trying to help the brother out. Here's what happened. See what's happening here? The guy's up there, obviously a nice fella here, trying to help Herschel Walker in his. Um, Herschel looks like he's a little upset about this. Then he just walks away. All right, I don't understand what the problem is here. Okay, the man has so many children from various women. He's he's really not sure if he spends time with children that are his. He's not really sure if he paid for abortions. He doesn't know because somebody should have handed him a damn condom a long time ago. This seems to be a good person on this stage. Let's go ahead and highlight what happened full screen. Uh, let's put it up full mass. So Herschel Walker, GOP nominee for the US Senate. In the state of Georgia, who could actually win and beat Senator Warnock? I hope that doesn't happen. He was pranked on stage, okay? This happened Thursday after a rally in Macon, Georgia, by Jason Selvig of the Good Liars, who tried to hand Walker a roll of condoms. Walker should have taken those damn condoms. For anyone unfamiliar with the Good Liars, it is a comedy duo. That often conducts man on the street interviews, pranking observed elements of the right wing political movement. Selvig, who got stunningly close to Walker on stage, was confronted by the candidate after he attempted to hand him the condoms and the two exchange words that were not picked up by the cameras. Uh, the prank, of course, riffs on Walker's recent scandals. Um, you know, let's just put up the tweet from his own son. His son. Christian Walker said, wear a condom, damn. All right, uh, Herschel Walker has not given a response on the record for this. I appreciate the fact that they are individuals who care enough to hand Herschel a damn condom. Uh, and I think Herschel, I think you need to be more appreciative of people that you meet on the campaign trail trying to help you, all right? Um, I do have an issue with the fact that he was able to hop on that damn stage with no security whatsoever, Herschel. Do your people care about you, sir? I mean, it wasn't a security in sight when he hopped on that stage. All right, Ms. Dahl, thoughts here? I agree. There's actually been quite a few people hopping on stage and getting too close um, to whoever's on stage for my uh, comfort. We gotta protect people better. This can go south in a lot of different ways. But you know, I think the reason why maybe he didn't talk about it is because his supporters who are anti-abortion are usually also anti-birth control. So they wouldn't be happy mm. with him endorsing the condom. And so that's, I imagine, partly why he was lost for words there. Isn't that something? He can put a gun to his wife's head, but he cannot accept a condom on stage. Exactly. A state of politics in America. Okay. We have an indisputable exclusive, no other news agency has this story. Imagine having a prison that is so racist that the corrections officers contact me. To expose the racism inside of the institution. Let me first start with this element. There's a, a dreadlock, let's put it up. There's somebody's dreadlocks mounted to the wall. A black corrections officer reported 
a Confederate hat and dreadlocks were pinned to a wall in a prison guard's quarters. Okay, he saw this. He's a whistleblower, got in touch with us. This is the Victorville prison in California. I have more, but look at that stunning imagery. Let's put it up again. Those dreadlocks came from somebody. It came from somebody. I got the background. Shortly afterward, he made a gruesome discovery which has not been made public until now. The corrections officer said to us, and I quote, an inmate reported that his dreadlock was pulled out of his head. It's just too coincidental. I don't know if it was his, but it was too odd to not be his. I made a report about the incident. So what do we have so far? We have an inmate inside of this correctional facility who says my dreads were ripped out of my head. They ripped it off my head. This CO, this corrections officer goes into another CO's office or quarters and sees dreadlocks pinned to the wall like a trophy next to this Confederate symbolism. There's more. Uh, let's put up the compound here so people get an understanding of the magnificent size of this facility. At the Victorville Correctional Complex in California, off duty officers have shot at each other. Yes, that's from them, from corrections officers that contacted us. White managers have referred to their black subordinates with using the N word. Supervisors pressure their employees into sex. These are all the allegations that made it to indisputable by current and former corrections officers at the Victorville complex. Allegations not only from administrators, but allegations that mocked and celebrated by prison staff. Correctional officers from the prison contribute to an Instagram page as well. We were able to find this IG page, let's put it up. You see that? According to the sources inside of that facility, Correctional officers from the prison, they contribute to this IG page full of sexist, racist, and homophobic posts. This one says, all right, I'm effing bored. I need some stories from your joint for material. Case manager sucks the most amazing ever. The Instagram account linked to employees at the complex shares sexual jokes about prison employees and denies the humanity of inmates. The Bureau of Prisons investigated the account last month in a climate survey. No one has been disciplined or removed due to these posts. In 2019, Victorville paid out 11 million, 11 million in settlement to current and former female staff for not addressing sexual harassment reports in the prison. There's more. Last month, another current employee of the complex, a black corrections officer filed a lawsuit for racial discrimination against the facility. You see a pattern, they're not just racist and adversarial to those who are incarcerated in the facility, but they act this way toward each other according to the officials that contacted us. We do know there's a culture of racism at the facility, the way black inmates are treated, it puts black staff members in a difficult position. 
you see the mistreatment, but if you say something to the staff or report it, you're accused of being a hug a thug. Who did that come from? That came from Curtis Freeman, corrections officer, Victorville, was willing to go on record with us. Isn't that something? There's more. Only two black corrections officers have been promoted to lieutenant within the Victorville complex since its founding. When was that? Well, 2004. Since 2004. Inside of saying that quote, if we, meaning black corrections officers, are not in there, things get uglier. They're going to mistreat different types of people, African Americans, blacks, Latinos, all types of different groups that are in here. It will be worse. If we're not in there, these guys are not going to get educated. They're going to give them ghost trays. Now, what are ghost trays? Let's put them up. Let's put up the pictures. Ghost trays are empty plates that they give to prisoners to starve them, which is against the law. It's against the law. I'm gonna tell you something. There were a whole lot of folks who were concerned about me exposing you all. Let's be very clear, these people are human beings. And you are being paid by my tax dollars in order to provide a service while they serve their time. This is torture, but I got more. Typically the Bureau of Prisons, they will not publish the identity of wardens. We did find their identities, put up the pictures. Victor Veal's current complex warden is Brian Lammer, Nancy McKinney and Jacob Durer are also wardens, okay? How did this story come to us? Why are we reporting this story? Because the situation is so dire and the racism is so extreme and the torture is so corrupt and insane that lifelong federal workers who dedicated their life to the profession of being a federal CO broke rank, broke protocol, broke tradition, broke that blue line and contacted us. Imagine how deep this goes. So now we are on top of it. Now we have information and we are continuing to dig even deeper. If you have more information about what's happening at this particular facility, please let me know. And let me be very clear to any executive at that federal facility, any executive who receives this segment, I am sending this directly to Senator John Ossoff, who is the chairman of the investigation committee that investigates you all. All right, Ms. Dahl, thoughts here. That is so courageous of the correctional officer. And we need people like that because it is their most vulnerable population are inmates because they are literally physically enclosed, are limited in their communication. Almost anything can happen there and we don't know. 
You know, it's such a protected area that if it wasn't for whistleblowers like this, you know, you cannot do anything about it. And also to your point that this is a federal prison is actually very helpful for the inmates. There's quite a bit of protections. The fact that it is a government facility, as we know, there's a lot of privatization around prisons, which would give them less protection. I mean, still some, but less protection. And so I think that should be part of the conversation as well. That even our federal prisons aren't doing a good job of keeping inmates safe. You know, we are, yes, they had to be punished and put behind bars if they're convicted, but then they become our responsibility. And there is an um, amount of safety that they are due. Yeah, and listen, we cannot allow things like this to go unchecked. We are a civilization for a reason. We are a culture, a community, a country for a reason. We are human for a reason. These things cannot happen without our attention and pushback, all right? So I will bring you the update as it comes. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left, let me remind everyone Canvas 2022 sale. The midterm elections are fast approaching, all right? To help spread the progressive message, well, look at that. I didn't know that would be the picture, it was that handsome fellow. All right, we're offering 22% off, that's a discount for the Canvas 2022 collection. Shop TYT.com between now and election day, all right? I was actually told I'm gonna take some updated special you know, merchandise pictures. Look forward to it, all right. Here are the comments. I wish a dragon would says, Trump Green 2024 belongs in the book of revelations. That's the seventh sign right there. You're damn right. It's, it's no escaping that this would be the end of the world, of course. Um, Lynn says, does Walker even know what those are? I don't think he's ever seen them before. <laughs> Next T what reporter says, the DOJ needs to appoint a representative to watch Indisputable every day. DOJ, where you at? Well, I guarantee you, they will be alerted today. Promise you that. Um, blessed Thanksgiving, Dina Dahl. Good scene. Go. Thank you so much, James Thompson. I really figure that Nixon's war on drugs handicapped us and US of A. Yeah. All right, and Twitch. I am Sock says Herschel Walker. To teach his bodyguards with his extensive law enforcement experience. There you go. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free! Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Thugs, savages. Let's put up the picture full mass here. What are they fighting over? They're fighting over a parking spot for dropping off and picking up kids. Now, 
I did not know that there are designated areas for these things. I had no idea. I thought you just kind of rolled up what was available, pull it in, pick up, drop off, and you continue. Obviously, in this community of Karen's, there's a different protocol. And you can actually call a spot without the spot being yours. Why else would you fight over it? You would only fight over something that's yours, right? Okay, uh, Ms. Dahl, can you own a, a drop off spot outside of a school? <laughs> you know, I've done this drop off pickup before, it's stressful. I've never seen anybody fight over it. But a little thing, I um, I went to a USC football game and parking there is like so difficult. And somebody had this entrepreneurship spirit and put um, cones reserving the curb, the public curb and was selling those spots for a That's game. Awesome. So. Yes. I love that. It kind of reminds me of this, but instead of fighting over, he was making money over it. Smart and not harder, you know what I mean? All right. Karen, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> All right, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she did not have her morning cup of coffee. Um, there are better ways to go about trying to get breakfast for your children. You should not talk to those in industries who prepare and serve you your food in that manner. You should not talk to them that way. I have some friends that would have given you a special Number one and number two with extra sauce. Mm. So you gotta be careful here, Karen, okay? When you talk to the person at that window, completely unnecessary, uncalled for. I don't care what the order mix up or the weight may have been. But we provide a mirror for an opportunity at reflection and correction. My dear brother, what are your thoughts on this moment of Karenicity? I thought it was funny that she pointed to the people in the restaurant and said, you don't know me, you don't right. know me, you <laughs> right. don't know me. And then she's being recorded. And so I'm like, no, I know a Karen when I see one, ma'am, you're a Karen, they do know you. Shout out to all the people who are ready and willing to record Karens. And to the people who, <laughs> towards the end of that video, you can hear them saying, shut up. Because mm -hmm. of these people who are you know, the anti-Karens, now they're doing the work on the street, it used to be, in, in the in the long time ago, you know, like two months ago, that they would send you these videos, and then you have to correct them, Dr. Rishi. You would have to show them the mirror so they can reflect on their actions. But now people are standing up. So again, shout out to the anti-Karens. Shout out to the people who are recording them. Let's expose them for who they are. Very well said, brother. We'll take that credit. Don't know if we should, but we will. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got something for you, double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel great, back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life.
what in the Costco's is going on here? Okay, they were throwing a hot dog at each other. Now, I'm going to take my narrative, my commentary in a different direction. How in the hell did that hot dog stand up to that kind of pressure? Where did they get that hot dog? If they got that hot dog out of Costco's, that's not a hot dog I want to digest. Why was the hot dog not destroyed in their regression? This is a special hot dog. All right, this happened at a Costco's parking lot. Some people are going back and forth as far as his appropriateness. Well, she did throw a hot dog at him first. He returned the hot dog back to the original owner. I don't see what the problem is here. All right, Dita Dahl, as an attorney, <laughs> what he did by simply returning the hot dog back to the original owner, would this be an issue if she would have called the police and said, he assaulted me? Or is he in the clear here? I think he's in the clear because she did assault him first. Um, maybe you could say they both assaulted each other. Are we going to talk about the Costco pizza and how real or not real that <laughs> is? That's what I want to know. It sure does taste good. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole deception. All right, so a lot of people, they've never been in Costco's when we were in our production meeting. One of our producers, you know, he never even, I don't think he heard of the place. So definitely never been in there. Uh, yeah, but Costco's when they when you go, they will feed you samples all throughout the facility. At least that's how it was last time I went there, which was a few years ago. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Don't forget, right after indisputable is unbossed with Nina Turner and guess who will be with her as well, yours truly. All right, so right after Indisputable, I'm hopping on Unbossed, Nina Turner, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. You can always go to youtube.com forward slash unbossedtyt to subscribe. We want you to do so now and also make sure you get that good merch right there, okay? Shoptyt.com, okay, Jojo H. Doctor, I love you, but don't mess with the Costco hot dog. I know some people take those damn Costco's hot dogs and everything else really seriously. I relish this hot dog story, Lynn says. Bada boom, I see what you did there. Um, Craig Craig Souffle, I've never seen Schoolhouse Rock'em Sock'em Karens, who knew? Go. Jeanette, thank you so much, member for five months, indisputable. Always great to be here with my family and you look good. Well, thank you so much for that and it's great to have you and to be with you. Soul Life gifted one indisputable with Dr. Shot Ritchie, membership. Thank you for that, Soul Life, we appreciate you so much. And Twitch Gomez, 420-420, Costco hot dogs and Arizona iced tea. Two items that stand against inflation, you all right. <laughs> Those items will be the same damn price today and next year. Guarantee you that, always depend on that. Good observation there. Okay, very sad story. A school teacher throws a book at a student, throws a book at a student and calls the student a racial slur, calls the student the N-word, okay? Let's first go to the video, here it is. Not smart. Oh, yeah. 
They were shocked, put up the picture full mass here. Um, the teacher said effing N word, okay? Kankakee, Illinois High School. This teacher has now been placed on paid leave. Now, how insane does that sound? Keep the picture up. You just heard the school teacher use the N word against a student. According to the witnesses, the teacher had already thrown a book at the student. So there is physical violence, there's use of a racial slur, and it was caught on video. But the penalty is what? Suspended with pay. Suspended with pay. Okay. Um, from what we can gather from the online sources and additional video, the student was asking for an apology. All right, let's put that graphic back up. The student was asking for an apology um, for a prior incident where Donovan, the teacher, allegedly threw a book at the student, but in doing so, things escalated. Here's the other cell phone footage offering this context. Here it is. Nothing. I was trying to hit you people. No, 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 no. Why would you try to hit me with the book anyway? Try to throw it. You could have said it out. You could have came back. You could have told kindergarten to come get the book and then give it to me. Oh, quiet now, huh? So let me get this right. The teacher throws a book at a student and then calls the student an effing N word. The student body, those classmates, they were so shocked, they did not know how to respond. You could literally feel how uncomfortable they were. And of course, they started to laugh. They don't know how to, that's a nervous laugh. They don't know how to respond in this moment. Like, did we just see that? Did that just happen? Yeah, it did. It did. And the teacher gets suspended with pay. Pending the outcome of an investigation. What? Let's put up a picture of the District 11 superintendent. All right, Doc, you got some work to do. This is Dr. Walters. She has told local outlets that Mr. Donovan, the teacher, used the racial slur after getting into a minor conflict with the student. Okay? Why is he suspended with pay? Why are you not going to make a pure example out of him as a teacher? You have to remember, this guy has a position of ultimate public trust. The way you deal with this will solidify how those students view your leadership, Doc. Are you going to advocate for the student or advocate for some protocol or rules? You can suspend them, you can violate whatever agreement you had with the union, fire them without pay. I don't give a damn what that union contract says. You know exactly what happened here. We got the video, this is not a student said, teacher said situation at all. Administrators at the high school said they reviewed several videos of the incident and took statements from students who were in the classroom, the teacher has been placed on paid leave pending a full investigation. Here's what Dr. Walter said in the quote. The video is a system 
of a much larger societal issue. Although this is a disheartening situation for our students, families and public education. The root of the problem must be addressed in a systemic way. In light of the circumstances, we are proud of how the students handle the situation. Well, good for you, I'm not proud of how you're handling the situation. Fired without pay, permanent decertification as a school teacher and possible criminal charges for battery. There you go, that's it, it's not complex. All right, according to district officials, students were shocked to hear the teacher use this kind of language. Um, the high school principal, Dr. Sims, Dr. Sims will make a recommendation regarding the teacher to the human resources department and will also make a recommendation concerning discipline um, to the Board of Education. We shall see if it comes with a criminal investigation for the allegation of assault. Throwing a book at a kid, a minor, well, that's a no no on multiple levels. All right. So, Ms. Dahl, correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel as if they're not taking this as seriously as it is. You literally have a teacher who threw a book, according to the narrative, in one scenario, and then in another one, decides to call the student the effing N word in front of all of his classmates. This teacher seems not only out of control, but very comfortable operating in a manner that's completely contrary to professionalism and safety for those students. What say you? I mean, I agree. I think both of those even independently would be fireable offenses. And I imagine he is going to get fired, but I think you said exactly what the issue is here, which is the union contract. You know, the teachers union, I'm sure has this spelled out. What happens when there is an accusation against the teacher? They probably have to follow the procedure before they can actually fire him. And it seems like here that there's no justice in doing an immediate action. But I have found that like schools and city governments, their biggest fear is almost being sued. They never wanna do anything that's going to subject them to liability. And if the teacher contract is clear as to the procedure and they don't do it, then this teacher might be able to sue and win and actually get money from the district, which is really horrible. So sometimes the law can be a little bit frustrating because it doesn't allow them maybe to act as quickly as they can. But it might end up being the right result because at the end of the day, they don't want to do something that would somehow make this teacher now, you know, win a lawsuit against the school. You know, and I get that. And I've reviewed some of these MOUs between unions and employers. And typically, there's a phrase in these contracts which basically says, listen, if you do something so grossly negligent, if you do something so extremely criminal, and it is so clear based on the preponderance of evidence that we have, we do retain the right to just fire you and damn the protocol. Typically it's in there somewhere. The issue becomes when does the administrator apply it? In what case is it such a slam dunk that it can be applied? And police officers have done it too when it is so clear to them as far as their assessment is concerned that they are willing to fire on the spot. No investigation required for that firing. Uh, no prerequisite, even though they do have an existing contract. Um, how strong are these contracts when it comes to actual crimes caught on camera? Or as we just saw, the use of a racial slur against the minor caught on camera. 
a contract can be so strong that you cannot completely fire somebody for doing something like that to a child. I mean, I think from the school board, school's point of view, you know, grossly negligent is subjective. It always is yeah. subjective. It is going to open them up to the possibility of a lawsuit. And they see it as if we follow the procedure and his firing is delayed by a few weeks, we would rather take that route than maybe fire him immediately, which would maybe be feel good in terms of the justice for what happened, but they're not gonna make that decision. I've dealt with uh, city actions before that are so frustrating. You just want them to take an action. But over and over again, they are so afraid of lawsuits that they don't act in a way that we always want them to. And it's because to them, the risk is just not worth it. All right, all right, if I was a superintendent, his ass would be fired and give a damn what the contract say. Okay, iHeart executive uses the N word, the president, put up his picture for a mask. The president of iHeart was fired after a video surfaced of him appearing to use a racial slur. This is Atlanta iHeart media president Drew Lauder, top iHeart media executive out of a job. Because he could not control his racism in public. A black executive recorded Lauder yelling at a hired driver to, and I quote, run over Negroes and Negroes and fat. Lauder says in the cell phone footage, Lauder also groped the driver and hurled around the N word multiple times. Are you black? Are you white? I don't know, no one cares, Lauder yells, okay? He then gets verbally aggressive with the driver. This incident occurred last August when he was leaving a charity event with other executives. However, according to the employee, it was not the first time the regional leader used racist language. The black executive who left the company this past August recorded it as proof of the hostile work environment he had to endure. Attorneys for the anonymous employee said he gave iHeartMedia a copy of the video months ago. The company released it to WSB TV in Atlanta after an action by the company. According to attorney Jason Castle, who represents the black employee, this wasn't a gotcha moment. He said it in the presence of four executive employees, one of whom happened to be black. People are going into work day in and day out. And they are enduring this type of environment, this type of discrimination. The employee is considering legal action against iHeartMedia. Now, why did this happen? This happened because literally a black executive who heard this racist language, not just one time, but multiple times, decided to make a complaint. That complaint was accompanied by a video, submitted it to iHeart Atlanta. They did nothing, they did not move on it according to the attorney. So what did they do? They decided to go to the next level and contact members of the media to expose this executive. Isn't that interesting? No one seems to take racism seriously anymore. Here's what you have to be concerned about in addition to the gross misconduct obviously of this executive. How many promotions did he choose not to give somebody because of their skin color? 
How many people did he fire because of his own innate bias against black folk? How many times has his macro and micro racist aggression played out in the executive boardroom or to middle management and others? How deep does it go? All right, Ms. Dahl, thoughts here. I think it probably goes fairly deep and that's why he has uh, the employee has a really good hostile work environment claim against iHeartMedia, especially since he notified them first and they didn't do anything. Pretty shocking in this day and age that they didn't run that by a lawyer who just immediately told him to fire that executive. Like it astounds me uh, that people can make such wrong uh, decisions still in this day and age. And uh, you know, it's just, Unfortunately, I feel like we've been seeing this a lot, right? Like the city council videotapes with the NFL, we saw this. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of like private racist conversations with people with a lot of power. And yeah. I guess we should be grateful that they've at least been recorded. But it's really disheartening how much of this happens. You got to think about the privilege that existed with this executive. He's literally saying the N word in front of another black executive. As if he has been given permission to do this. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone of Jelana Dunlap. We're doing a fundraiser for her. Remember the young lady that was physically, she was physically assaulted by the police, arrested, put in handcuffs, did nothing wrong, nothing illegal. She was simply doing her job. Well, that video went viral. She never got charged with a crime because she did not commit one. They could not even make up one against her. That video goes viral in the small town that she's in in North Carolina. Guess what? She no longer has a job and cannot get one. It is mm-hmm. difficult. So we're going to help her. She has a $3,000 goal. We want to go ahead and help her make that goal. Go to the GoFundMe, make a contribution. Now, if you can, we appreciate you in advance. All right, read some of these comments. Old Jam says paid leave, question mark. He shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a classroom again, but he's getting a paid vacation instead. Yeah, I concur. YouTube, super chat. All right, Matthew Gonzalez, they were throwing a hot dog at each other. This is a Karen classic if I've ever seen one. You go. Gambit, thank you for that, Gambit. Hey doc, I love you, but you gotta lay off the Costco hot dogs. Big props to the CEO who threatened to murder the CFO if he ever dared to raise the prices of the hot dogs. All right, Mikey3343, thank you so much, Mikey. Um, Teacher caught on camera calling student N-word on camera, suspended with pay. Teacher, Matthew Hahn accused of teaching CRT, fired immediately. Seems legit. Hosea Crooms, thank you. Welcome to Indisputable. We appreciate you so much. All right. Um, bucket list Bonanza Dragon, gifting a one tier one sub to TYT's community. They've gifted a total of 48 in the channel. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you doing that. All right. Okay. This was a very extreme situation, but a woman shoots an off duty firefighter. And does not get charged. Let's put up the picture. This is a screenshot, okay? The woman shot this off duty firefighter. He dies. She does not get charged. And when you understand the details of this, you will understand 
likely why. In Missouri, Jackson County prosecutors have said a woman who shot and killed a Kansas City firefighter earlier this month would not be charged. Why? Because they have determined that it was in fact self defense. She's an African American female. Her friend, who's an African American male, is being choked by the off duty firefighter. That gives you your scene, that's your scenario. She is literally begging, begging the firefighter, let him go, let him go, please let him go. At one point in the back and forth, she looks at another bystander as if, as if to ask, what am I supposed to do? What else can I do? She has a gun in her hand, she's not trying to use it. All right, uh, let's put his picture up. Unfortunate, but it did happen, Anthony Tony. Santi died after he was shot at an Independence gas station on October 6th while in the store. Santi heard Javon Taylor having a dispute with a female employee inside of the store. The firefighter stepped in and told him to leave. The men left the business and began to fight in the parking lot. So what's happening so far? You have a customer who is in an argument with someone inside of a store, that happens. The off duty firefighter, he steps in, he says something to the guy. And now there's a back and forth argument between them. They get outside and now there's physical combat. In the video, we see clearly that the off duty firefighter has the African American male in a choke. Now, if this is your family member, and you see this happening in front of you, and you recall the imagery of George Floyd and others who have died in situations just like this, and no one is helping, the man would not let him go. When I saw this video, I gotta tell you, my initial sense was different than my conclusion. At the end of this, I do not condone violence, but I definitely understand this man could have died underneath that kind of chokehold. That is why I believe the authorities concluded it was in fact self defense or in the defense of others. During the scuffle, Santi had Taylor, Santi had Taylor in a chokehold while Taylor's girlfriend was pleading for this firefighter to let him go. She screamed, stop, you're killing him, my kids are in the car. The firefighter refused to let go of Taylor. And Taylor's girlfriend opened fire and killed the off duty firefighter. So how is self defense applied in this situation? Fox 4 did show, they showed the video to a practicing attorney of 40 years who wrote Missouri's book on weapons and self defense. Technically it's called the defense of justification and your justification is you are saving the life of another person. Kevin Jamison, author of Missouri Weapons and Self-Defense Law. Jamison said, in most cases, it will be important to know who started the fight, but it may not be necessary in this case. The girlfriend is only constrained by what she reasonably believed to be the circumstances. If she did not see the start of the fight, all she knows is that her boyfriend is getting strangled and I would submit strangled to death. 
Here's a statement from the local prosecutor. We grieve with the family and the community over this tragic loss of life, Mr. Santi. The Jackson County Prosecutor's Office said in a statement, the office went on to say that it came to the decision after carefully reviewing the evidence in the case. I'm highlighting this for a couple of reasons. Number one, this is equal application of the law. It is, it's rare, but I guarantee you if this would have been, let's say, an African American male choking a white male and the girlfriend of the white male being choked ends up begging for him to stop. He doesn't, she has a gun, she shoots. She's not getting charged with a crime at all. As a matter of fact, the news would be if she did get charged with a crime, that would be the news. This is news because the black woman did not get charged with a crime, showing you that it is abnormal for the equal application of law to exist. She did not get charged. She will not be charged. It is not going to end the prosecution. She likely saved the life of her boyfriend. All right, Dina, thoughts here. Attorney at law, did they get this wrong or right? And I think they got it right. And I think the really important thing in any self defense is, is there an imminent threat of serious bodily harm or death? And clearly here it was happening right then. Sometimes people try to claim self defense and there was maybe an opportunity to leave and end the struggle or it wasn't quite as imminent. Here that was clearly the case. And I think it's also important to note here, the reason why maybe it's different when we see a police officer doing a chokehold and she may not have gotten self defense there because police officers had this inherent inherent right to use force. He did not, he was just a regular person using yep. force against someone else. So taking that completely out of the equation, it makes it a much easier self-defense claim for her. Yeah, well said. And also this was not an immediate response. Literally, this took place for a while before she decided to do what she did. The African-American male, the black male was not, was not engaged in trying to um, physically combat against the firefighter, he literally was in such a vulnerable position. His hands were no longer attempting to free himself. The man absolutely could have died in that situation right in front of those children. All right, Miss Dahl, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. It was great being here, thanks so much for having me. They can follow me at Ask Dina Dahl on all social media platforms, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much, all right. We got more, the bullpen is next, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. Connor says, equal application of the law needs to be the rule, not the exception. One of the most basic human rights, there you go. Uh, Bill's dragon circles the wagon. I know one thing, she shoots someone to save his life. He better put a ring on it, she's a keeper. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve, uh, Stephen Phelps. Uh, and Fordzilla, Godzilla Dragon. If she hadn't have done everything she did, uh, they probably would have charged her. I personally am scared to shoot a gun at anyone. I can't imagine how hard it was for her to do the same. And listen, it took her a while to make that decision, okay? This was not an immediate response. She literally tried to engage in getting this guy off of her boyfriend before shooting the off duty firefighter. Uh, but I do believe the prosecutors came to the right decision by saying this was purely a self defense situation. All right, okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen.
This is a special bullpen and exclusive. Remember, we reported on the story of a college student who was physically accosted by the local police, targeted in fact. Let me bring you back to that video. We have the young college student on the show today. Here's a reminder. So should have come get me. I haven't did anything wrong. You going to jail because you're not listening. And I'm going to tell you what you're going to jail for. You're interfering in police business and you're following, you failed to follow directions. So you're finna go to jail. For and what? I, I haven't did anything wrong. I haven't did anything wrong, fool. They can come check the cameras and everything. I haven't did anything wrong. You ain't going on by your business. I'm trying. I'm just waiting for my sister to come. I'm waiting for my sister to come pick me up. I'm just waiting for my sister to come pick me up right now. Go. I'm waiting for my sister to come pick me up. Why are you approaching me? Man, stop playing. Let's go to Mr. JT Hardiman. Student, Delta State University. Uh, JT, good to have you on the show. How are you? It's good to be here. I'm doing very well. How are you doing today, Mr. Richie? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, when this happened, the narrative was that these police officers or that cop was targeting you because you filed a complaint. Can you give us the nature of the complaint you filed and how that connects back to the incident we just saw? Um, so back in September, me and my friends were sitting outside of her dorms and she got up to fix her pants. And we noticed another car was driving by and the driver in the car was trying his very, like he was trying really hard to look at her rear end. So, you know, as us being supportive friends, we decided to, you know, make a wall around her and I told him to keep it pushing in a polite manner. And a white pickup truck with two Caucasian students. Um, wrote one, the one on the passenger side rolled down his window and he asked, he was like, are you talking to me? And you know, I responded with a no and just kept, you know, minding my business. And he flipped us off. He threw the middle finger up at me and my friends and then proceeded to call me a black elf bomb. And you know, as a college student, you would think you know we're all here to get a degree we're all here on one purpose you wouldn't expect something like that out of the, out of the blue and so you know it did make me furious but i came to my sisters and was like you know that the officials handled this that's their job this is not something you can take into your own hands so i called the policeman and the policeman that came i was telling him what was going on again I noticed and my friends even noticed how he had this attitude like he really just didn't want to be there. He didn't want no involvement. And you know, after seeing this, I was like, I really don't even want to put it in a report because I feel like nothing is gonna get done. So I didn't that night. I called my father. My father talked to me and told me I need to go put it in a report so I can have on on papers that I did file a report about this. And I made a Facebook post talking about how I felt. And, you know, I wouldn't put in my report. And about a couple of days later, I had to go to Student Life and talk to one of the representatives at Student Life about the um, report, the um, Facebook post that I posted. And, you know, she told me it felt like a slap in the face to her and her job for the simple fact 
they said I felt I wasn't giving them enough time to investigate. But at the same time, and I keep going back to this before the simple fact, I do strongly believe there could have been an immediate action done right then and there. Because where we was at, there was a camera standing, like sitting and facing directly at the stop sign that they was at on the dormitory. So if you just go back and watch the cameras, you can see exactly what happened. All you need to do now is find a student. And you know, even after the meeting, I haven't had no follow ups. I haven't even attempt to make another follow up for the simple fact I get no answers. And for this incident to come up, you know, I feel like my name has already been, you know, you know, JT's gonna say something. Or JT, he be he be on his P's and Q's, he don't mind standing up. So I feel like, you know, I was an easy target. For the simple fact, I don't hold my tongue. My parents always told me if you see something that's, you know, wrong, don't be afraid to speak up. So that's what I do. And after the whole incident, even to this day with the policeman that night, it you know, it still shakes me up. I still got a little anxiety from it. And the thing that I still have a question for the officers that arrested me the next day is why? Like why, what was the reason for my arrest? What was the actual reason for my arrest? Because if if the incident was so urgent to the point that you felt like you needed to arrest me, you have my information on what dorm I stay in and what room number I stay in. You could have just picked me up that night. And it seems kind of odd that I would to go, I would willingly to go file a statement against these police officers, showing that I have videos and testimonies, and I get arrested. JT, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what happened that particular night. Where were you that night? Were you outside of their precinct? What's the location here? Um, so where I stay, Kane and Tatum, the dorm is like right across the sidewalk from the police department. And one of my friends just got off work and she called and was like, hey, do you wanna hang out? I was like, sure. I was already heading outside because at nighttime I like to skateboard a little bit, you know, to clear my mind. And I told her, you know, I will be outside skateboarding. And as I was skateboarding, I came between Ziegler Hall and Bailey Hall. And I saw my friends at the stop sign and I saw the policemen were right there. And I saw one did have their lights on, so I didn't approach immediately. I waited for a little bit. I heard Officer Weeks say, you're good, y'all are good to go. And I heard them having a normal conversation. So you know, that's when I started approaching the car. And I never said anything to the officers. I spoke directly to my friends. I um. First thing I said when I walked up to the car, I said, are y'all good, y'all straight? You know, because you're dealing with the police and you know, it can go both ways. So you know, right. trying to make sure that my friends are okay in this matter. I never asked them what happened still to this day. I really don't even know why they got pulled over. And so Officer Weeks goes and say, Elfin with JT gonna get y'all in a lot of trouble, so you know, that's a lot of animosity right off the bat. Like you're already making a negative compact towards me. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wanted to highlight they already, the cop knew who you were. 
Yes, right. sir. All right, there was no you know interaction right beforehand or you gave him your license or your student no. ID. He just knew, he knew who you were. So that means your reputation in some way has preceded you. So he makes this negative comment and at some point it turns into him chasing you. Now, why is he telling you to leave in the first place? And why is it that he says he arrested you? Honestly, I have no idea. And you know, going back to that night again, it's a lot of anxiety. And just thinking about it, you know, it's a little trauma behind it. I've been trying to figure out the same reason because I felt like I did nothing wrong. My friends verified to me that I did nothing wrong because for a long time, I was sitting there thinking to myself that whole night while we was together, I really didn't say much because of what just happened. Like, you know, we see these things on the internet, but you would never expect it to happen to you. And for you to actually experience that, it brings a little bit of trauma. Yeah. And so him arresting me, no, that's false. He did not arrest me. What happened the next day when I went to the um police department to file my complaints, I was telling another officer about the incident, showed to the video. And you know, as I'm telling her this stuff, I get overwhelmed with the emotions. I start feeling like, you know, I wanted to cry. I was like, cause this is a big deal to me. Like something has to be done. And I'm looking and based off the last reports that I filed to the police, I feel this is not really gonna go for far for the simple fact. He's an officer as well. What does another officer look like investigating another officer that makes them look bad? So, you know, I asked them, can I go back to my room to file my statement? And they said it was okay. So as I make my way back to my room, I'm on the phone with my friend that I was supposed to hang out with the night before. And I'm telling her what happened. And I see a white Cleveland police department vehicle pull up and he hit the sirens. And that sent instant fear down my spine. I began to get overwhelmed with the same emotions. I said, please not again. And you know, I went back to where the officer was, but I went a little bit farther behind them because I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's just, you know, you're seeing it wrong. You're just, you know, you're overreacting. And so all of the officers made their way to me and they kind of formed like a huddle around me. And I was telling my friends on the phone, like they're trying to arrest me, they're detaining me. And I kept asking the officers, why are you detaining me? Why are you detaining me? Now in the video, the officer, Officer Weeks said that he was arresting me for interfering with policemen business and not listening. So is there that was the original officer that you had the video on, same mm-hmm. cop? Um, the a cop that arrested me was Caucasian. He okay. was not African American. Okay. But when I asked that officer why was he arresting me, he said for for running from the policeman the night before, right? And, and so, but the cop told you to leave. Yes, he see that's what I kept getting confused with. He kept saying leave or I'm going to arrest you. See that's two commands. You get, right. I felt like that was a choice. That was either or. So in the video, you see I was back, you know, with my hands up and recording. Now that is a protocol that my parents did tell me to follow if there there ever was a situation to happen like this. And so I tried to keep as much distance between me and officers as possible. And all three of them kind of, you know, kept coming at me and I asked him why you're approaching me. And that's when he tried to tackle me. 
So, you know, it was a lot going on. And I feel like it was just a big form of miscommunication. And Officer Martin was the Caucasian cop that was out there that night. Um, For him, I really don't understand his purpose of being there. Because if he saw that the whole situation was escalated, why your job as a policeman is to de-escalate situations. You're not helping put out the fire, you're adding more to it. You see what I mean? Absolutely, um, I wanna ask you about the culture on campus. You're a college student, Delta State University. How yes, has this, how has the administration responded to you? What is the Dean of Students saying? Um, your uh -huh. student government, have they gotten involved? Well, I haven't heard word from the Student Government Association at all about the situation. My dean, um, I really don't know. I tried to set up a meeting with the president and the vice president. For the simple fact, I feel like that is something that is needed. And with as far as school, the only word that I have gotten back is from student life. I got some papers saying that I was going to be on suspensions and abeyance. But with the whole thing, they said I can either appeal the situation or you know sign it and turn it in. And you know I didn't. I appeal for the simple fact is I'm innocent, so I feel like there's no reason to suspend me. And it said on the paper, the first thing it said after investigating the situation, I was in violation of section one C two A and two B. So I noticed it's out there investigating. So I asked the um, director of student life and the officer that was present, have they seen any video footage or any camera footage? They both responded no. So I started wondering how am I already getting these papers if you all haven't seen the video or the camera footage and you're head of student life and you're the one giving me these papers. So that means you're the one that has to make sure, okay, this is the right move. So I'm still trying to figure it all out myself, but I feel like it's a work in progress. Let's talk about what happened to the original complaint. Remember at the beginning of this narrative, you talked about individuals in a pickup truck, using racist language against you and your friends. Has anything developed from that initial complaint about racism on the campus? Um, to be honest, no, sir. I I tend to stay, you know, in my business and out of everybody else's. I try to stay on my path to make sure I don't swerve into anybody else's lane. For the simple fact, I don't need no extra drama added to my life. And before that incident, I did have a um, run-in with another student who, you know, rumored to say some racist things towards other students, saying homophobic slurs or transphobic things to other students, or make them uncomfortable. And he called the cops on me, said that I said something racist to him, which was false. And you know, a couple students came up. And testified their stories with him, and you know that kind of helped me out. But one thing that stuck out about that whole situation is, after everything that happened, one of the officers told me, you know, don't really say too much about it because they don't want stuff getting like stuff like that getting out around campus. Mm. And I sat there thinking for a while, well, this is something that needs to be addressed. This is something that 
the college students should know, you know, so they'll know, okay, they're serious about this. This is something that we cannot do. If they see that, oh, we can just get away with this, it's gonna be more and more of it. That's not yeah. taking a step in the future, that's taking 10 steps back into the past. JT, I heard you say something about wanting to stay in your own lane. And I understand your heart, I understand the sentiment of that. But I also want to submit something to you, put it on the shelf, just keep it on your radar. One of the most underappreciated experiences during our journey is being uncomfortable. We do not appreciate what being uncomfortable can do. You spoke up because you were uncomfortable. When you are uncomfortable, things can change. But don't become comfortable in discomfort. Don't allow discomfort to become normal, change it. I applaud you for standing up, for saying something, for being willing. I applaud you for that. What do you wanna do? What are you going to school for? Um, right now I'm in school as a fashion major student. I do want to um, own my own fashion line or be a model for a top lining for the simple fact. I do love fashion, it's a sense that I do take pride in. And you know, taking photos is something that I've always done. So you know, why not make a career with it? There you go, well said. We're gonna continue to follow this story JT. You know, if you need to contact me, you have my information. We're going to obviously have an update once legal counsel is completely secured. That process is still ongoing, but we appreciate the time you have spent today providing update and clarity as to what happened. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure talking to you, Mr. Ritchie. Thank you, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, remember, I will be with you in just a minute on Senator Nita Turner show. All right, so we'll be there in just a second on Boston. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.